Good morning. Never introduced myself before. That was a little creepy, but I got 23 minutes, so that was the fastest way I could think of doing that. So here we are. Uh, like the video said, like what was said earlier, my name is Ben Pierce. Uh, I am a missionary of this church, but also a friend. Uh, I've preached here, I think, five or six times, and every time I get to come back, it's a huge privilege. Uh, and I get to continue on in your series uh, in Colossians. Uh, and this particular subject is something very close to my heart. Uh, because I'm passionate about reaching people who are far from God, uh, and I think Paul has something to say to us this morning about that. So let's get into it. Uh, a few years ago, when the Super Bowl was in Minneapolis, uh, my brother and his wife, uh, they thought they would go down to where the stadium was to kind of uh, soak in the atmosphere. They didn't have tickets, uh, obviously, but they thought they would just absorb the atmosphere. Uh, and when they got there, there was a protest happening. A group of protesters were angry about an immigration law that had just been passed, uh, you know, and they were mad because, you know, America is about inclusivity and, and welcoming the foreigner and the melting pot and that whole thing, uh, and they were protesting against this law. Um, but then as that was happening, a group of Philadelphia Eagles fans came by and started making fun of them. Shocking. Um, and one of the guys with the sign turned to this Philadelphia Eagles fan and says, get the out of my city. Now, if you don't understand the irony of what just happened, it's pretty hilarious. I mean, think about this, right? Later, I'm talking about this with my brother, and we're laughing because here's a guy who's literally protesting hostility towards outsiders, right? Not letting people into the country and being welcoming. And the second he gets made fun of by this Eagles fan, he tells him to get the blank out of our city. You know, and I, I think that often we can kind of be like that if we're not careful, or this can be kind of a hyperbole of what we can do outside of the church sometimes. And as followers of Jesus, we have a mission, right? We have a cause. We have something to protest, but it's hard to know how to do it well sometimes. Sometimes we're even like the protester where our, our actions don't exactly back up our words. Today, I want to look at Colossians 4 two through six, because I think Paul would have had something to say to that protester and to us. I think he is very serious about our, our mission to reach people outside of the church. Uh, and I'm so excited to be part of this series because, you know, the title of this roadmap for the resurrected, I think is very fitting. It's this, this short, powerful letter uh, to, to encourage this small church to focus on Jesus, to treat one another in light of that, and then to get on mission to reaching those that are outside of their world. Uh, and so I want to continue on in that, that series. So if you go to page 806 in your Bible, we can read Colossians 4, 2 through 6 together. It says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that, we, that God may open up a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it as clearly as I should, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I know you know this, but your life in Christ is not just about you, right? It's not just about me, right? Jesus saves us and he loves us and he wants to bless us and transform us. This is part of the journey but it's also about what God wants to do through you. And for me, 
watching God move through me as imperfect as I am, I think it's one of the greatest gifts of our faith. When we get to see lives changed through us because of God's power, I think it's one of the greatest privileges that we get to experience. One of the ways that I get to do this is through a band called No Longer Music, and we um, go all over the world. We combine music and theater and video and special effects, and we tell a modern-day depiction of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, And we do this, like I said, outside of the church. So big city squares and public places literally all over the globe. Just this year, uh, we did a tour of Brazil, of Mexico, and Colombia, around 30 shows for over 20,000 people. I could tell you so many incredible stories. We were on tour in Mexico, and it was one of our last shows. Uh, And we we come to the venue, and a couple of hours before we were supposed to start, this guy, he's already there, uh, and he's he's got all these tattoos and these gauges in his ears, and uh, he had seen one of our Instagram ads, and that's why he was there. And uh, we talked to him before. And he he introduced himself as Diablo, as devil. He said, you know, that's the name I go by. He was a pretty intense guy, and we were excited that he was there, obviously. And, and so we said, hey, stick around afterwards. Let us know what you think of our message. And so we, you know, all these people came. We had over 1,000 people there, and we're, we're performing and sharing who Jesus is and uh, giving people an opportunity to respond. And, and all these people are, are praying with us to receive Jesus after the show, and, and among them was this guy. And so we go and find him after the show, and I'm talking with him. And he said, you know, I've lived a pretty rough life. And he pulled down his shirt and he had this tattoo. It was a black hole in his chest and these hands trying to crawl out. And he said, you know, this kind of symbolizes the darkness that I feel inside of me. That's trying to come out. And we explained to him that Jesus loves him, that he is, he is for him, that he is more powerful than these things that are in his life, that he can set him free, that he can heal him and forgive him. And we got to pray again with this guy and he, and he said, you know, my name is Miguel. And, and I don't want to go by this other name anymore. You know, and I thought it was this powerful symbol of the changed identity that Jesus was restoring who this guy was. Guys, it's moments like this that bring extraordinary life to your faith. When the things that you read in, in, in the Bible, you actually see those things outside of the church. I don't think there's anything better than that. And I could tell you so many stories, but what I also know is that it's not easy. You know, we know we're supposed to use our lives to reach those who are far from God, our friends, our family members, our colleagues, our neighbors. We know that, but it's not always easy. And in Colossians 4, 2 through 6, Paul, he packs a ton of helpful advice that I think we all could benefit from. So I want to focus on five key principles, things that I believe Paul is saying to us here how we can actually reach people in our lives who are far from God. So the first principle is be dependent. Be dependent. I was on tour in Colombia, and uh, I was talking to people after the show. That's kind of our routine. We preach the gospel. We give people a chance to respond, and then we go out into the crowd, and we talk to people one-on-one. And uh, I was talking to a group of guys, and I got to pray with them, and it was great. And then I went to another group and I was talking to them and it was great. And I was about to be done. I thought, okay, that's good. I think I've, I've done enough. But then I saw this group of these, these teenagers kind of standing off at the distance and something in me said, you got to go talk to them. And I was like, oh man, them, <laughs> they just looked kind of cool and indifferent. I was like, there's no way this is going to go well, but I couldn't get the thought out of my head. So I said, all right, all right, I'll go. 
And I go up to these guys and I say, what did you guys think of the show? And they're like, eh. I was like, well, what about our message? Did you, did you hear our message? Yeah. Well, what'd you think? Yeah. I was like, okay, this is going well. So I thought, all right, I'll just explain the gospel. So I'm explaining the gospel. You know, Jesus came and he, you know, he loves you and he wants to know you and you can know him. Like, and I'm explaining the gospel and they're looking kind of confused and a little, the whole thing's kind of awkward. And finally I look and one of the guys, his arms all bandaged up and, and I was desperate. <laughs> And, and I know God can heal, and I, I pray that he does, but I don't see that very often, and it's not something I do very often. But like I said, I was desperate, and so I said, I just stopped abruptly, and I said, you know, can I just pray that the God that I'm trying to explain to you, that this God that I'm talking about, could I just pray that he would heal your arm to prove, to demonstrate that he's real, because clearly my words aren't working. And they're like, okay. So I start to pray for this guy, and his demeanor starts to change. He's kind of looking at his arm. He's looking at us. He starts to rip this bandage off and he's moving his arm all around all aggressively. And he's like, it's better. And we're all kind of freaking out together. And I'm like, do you guys want to pray that you can meet this God, this powerful God that wants to know you? And of course they're like, yes. So I pray with them to receive Jesus. Guys, when it comes to reaching people in your life, your kids, friends, your family, your neighbors, it's first and foremost about God's power, not you. We are so dependent on the power of God. Wasn't, they didn't come to him because I had the perfect combination of words or I just presented it in such a great way. God, in his mercy, decided to reveal his power and that's why they responded the way that we did. And you see, I think Paul was aware of this in the beginning of of this passage in Colossians. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful and pray for us too. All of this emphasis on prayer. Why? You see, I think Paul recognized that everything they did, everything he did depended on God. It doesn't matter how many messages I seem to put together. It always comes back to this. The foundation for everything that we do is prayer. Because prayer is our, it's the the action we take to recognize what is true. And what is true is that if God takes his hand off us for a second, we're dead. What is true is that if we're going to accomplish anything, it's going to be because of God's power. And prayer is the way we declare that. It's not just that we make God move, it's that we position ourselves before God accurately and say, God, you have to do it. It's our declaration of dependence on God. God, you are the one that has to do it. It's not going to be because we've got a great church. Yes, this is a great church, but if it's going to be effective and fruitful, it's going to be because of God's power. It's going to be because we depend on him. So be dependent. Second, we need to be clear. Be clear. Clarity is serious business. Paul says in verse four, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. It's this responsibility to be clear. And I think clarity can be a confusing thing to understand sometimes. And I think we get it wrong in two ways. I think sometimes we can think clarity is just presenting the cold hard facts clearly. Like take it or leave it. This is the truth. Here it is. No fluff, just take it as it is. 
I don't think that's it. On the other end of the, the spectrum, we can think that clarity is about removing anything that might be confusing or unpalatable or difficult. Oh, that whole sin stuff, the sexuality stuff, oh, that stuff's kind of, we'll just, we'll keep it real simple. We'll just keep it really clear. I don't think that's what clarity is either. Clarity is expressing the full truth of the gospel, but using the language and symbols that are relevant to the people God has called you to reach. I'm expressing the full truth of the gospel, but I do it in such a way that actually resonates with the people God has called me to reach. There's a weird thing to remember when it comes to evangelism, and it's this. The purpose of evangelism is not that you share the gospel, but that they come to Jesus. Seems like a weird semantic trick, right? The purpose is not that you share the gospel, it's that they come to Jesus. So what do I mean? It's not that we just check the box. <laughs> well, I did the deed, you know, I got the words out. Whew, I'm out. Of course, it's God's responsibility, but the whole heart of it is that the person I'm talking to would actually come to Jesus. And, and my commitment to that as the goal shapes my approach. It means that I care that they get it. It means that I understand them. I, I meet them where they're at. I find common ground. We care deeply about the way we communicate the truth because the goal is that they actually come to know Jesus, not that I just check the box and move on. As you go out, as you have these conversations, as you take that risk and you start to have spiritual conversations with people in your life who are far from God, you're gonna be confronted by things that are gonna be difficult. You know, hell, sexuality, they're gonna be things that are like, oh, sin. That's one I get confronted with all the time. We are a culture that is steeped in relativism, right? This idea that there really is no right or wrong and that the worst thing you could do is judge someone. Just live and let live, right? That's the mantra of our age. And so here we come with our prohibitions and our rules and that's kind of incongruent in culture today. So how do I explain it? Well, I mean, the Bible says that God is in charge and you should do certain things or not do certain things. That's true. Is it clear? On the other end, I could say, oh, well, don't really worry about that whole sin thing. It's just, it's just about love and acceptance. That's, that's really what matters. God does love you, but is that clear? When I'm confronted with this question, you know, what I'll do is I'll say, look, I'm a dad. I have kids. And I love my kids. I mean, I, I can't even, I couldn't even imagine the kind of love that I would have for my kids. It's completely, totally unconditional. There's nothing they'll ever be able to do to take that love away. And yet it's because of this love that I limit them. It's because of this love that I have rules for them. It's because of this love that I say, don't go run on the road when you play. Don't eat that, do eat this. I have rules, not because I'm arbitrary or cruel, but because I love them. And God, who loves you more than I could ever love my kids, he has rules for you, not because he's cruel or arbitrary, but because he loves you. He doesn't want to take away your freedom. He wants to set you free. He designed you. When I explain sin to people in that way, they get it. I'm not saying that it's some magic formula. 
But even people who don't yet have kids, they get that. They say, that makes sense. But it's through trial and error and my commitment to clarity that I've learned ways to communicate with people outside of the church in a way that they can understand. And then, of course, it's up to the Holy Spirit to do the rest. But we need to be clear. Be dependent. Be clear. Be attractive. It's not just what we say, it's how we say it. It's not just what we say, it's how we say it. Look, we need to share the gospel. Paul, when writing, assumed that. Of course we need to share the gospel. What seems to be harder for me and us at times is to do it in a loving, gracious, and appropriately attractive way. That seems to be the harder part. Paul says in verse 6, Let your conversations always be full of grace and seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Our, com- our conversation should always be filled with grace and seasoned with salt. What does that mean? I think it means be the kind of person who speaks in such a way that people will actually want to listen. Be the kind of person who speaks in such a way that people will actually want to listen. That doesn't mean you're unwilling to share the truth. But we all know that you can say the same thing in many different ways. We all know the difference between being told the truth by someone who clearly didn't care, who clearly didn't love us, as opposed to someone who desperately loved us, and yet they communicated the same thing and it felt just so different. In the music world, we call this being a good hang. And what that means is that when you're selecting musicians, there's a lot of criteria to choose from, right? Being a good musician, obviously, is a big part of it. Technically, being, you know, having a good look or being, performing well on stage. But a surprising, important criteria is being a good hang. And what that means is that you're actually someone that's good to be around, right? If I'm going to spend hours in a bus or a van or, you know, on the road and these long repetitive, grueling environments, it's nice to be around people that are actually nice to be around. And so you'd be surprised at how often that trumps even superior musicianship. I have a friend for whom this is exactly true. He is not that great of a musician, but he's consistently getting opportunities beyond his ability because he's just super cool to be with. He's just like a good hang. He's a good guy. Am I a good hang? Are you? Look, people need to hear the truth. We need to tell them, but they are far more likely to listen if they can feel that we actually love them, if we're actually the kind of people they want to be around. So be kind, be interested, genuinely interested in them. Be gracious. Don't be a Bible machine, right? We can talk about other things. It's okay. Be the kind of person someone really wants to be around and in that context, tell the truth. The fruit will be incredible. Be dependent, be be clear, be attractive, be authentic. Be authentic. Paul says in verse 5, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. When I was in Brazil on tour in June, um, we were touring with this really great non-Christian band. We love doing that because that opportunity to be together, it almost always leads to them giving their lives to Jesus at some point during the tour. And once again, this band was being profoundly impacted by hearing the gospel night after night. And I was talking to them about three shows in. And I don't know where this thought came from, but 
All of a sudden I said, do you guys use video in your show? And, and his, his eyes like lit up and he said, yeah, we do. And the reason I said that is we had this big LED wall that we brought on tour with us. And I said, why aren't you using your videos during your show? And he's like, I didn't know we could. And I said, yeah, of course. So I, I got our videographer guy over and I said, hey, hook them up so that they can use their videos. And that night they had these incredible videos during their show. And I was talking to him a day later and he came up to me and he said, you guys are just so different. I said, your band is bringing us water and food. You're, you're helping us load and unload our equipment. You're letting us use your resources to make our show better. He's like, this is not normal. You know, most of the bands we play with, it's, it's, there's like this competitive spirit and they don't want to do anything to make us look better than them. And I said, man, you guys are just so different. Look, ultimately our actions weren't the thing that, that led to the transformation in their lives. It was God's power and the gospel. But here's what I do know. How we acted gave authority to what we said. How we acted gave incredible authority to what we said. The world is watching us, guys. We all know that. We all know that hypocrisy is one of the greatest criticisms of the church. And, and of course, it's a misunderstanding. We're never going to be perfect we aren't saved because we are perfect. But our behavior and attitude can open doors for the gospel or they can shut them. They can open doors for the gospel or they can shut them. And again, we'll never be perfect. But should our attitudes and actions in some way not reflect this Jesus we claim to follow? Right, when we're out there and we're telling people, hey, come to this Jesus. He saves you. He changes you. He's powerful. Just don't look for any evidence of it in me. That's an indictment. That's something we need to take seriously. We need to be authentic because the way we act towards outsiders is linked to the opportunities that we will have. Finally, we need to be urgent. You know, when the whole... Damar Hamlin's story happened. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar. If you're not, there was a 24-year-old NFL athlete who had a routine tackle on the field, hit him in the chest, died on the field. You know, and they were able to resuscitate him, and miraculously, he's okay. But, you know, tragedies happen in this world. But there was something about that situation, observing it culturally, that was very, very visceral. You know, it was not just the emotions of the players but it was also watching the media and the analysts react to it and just, you could tell they had no script for a moment like this. There was no playbook, they didn't know how to react and there was a former quarterback, current ESPN analyst uh, named Dan Orlovsky and he, in the moments afterwards, he actually did something somewhat radical. You know, he was describing the situation the best he could and he said, you know, at times like these, you often hear thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Right, and by and large in our country, we have that kind of response to tragedy, but it's, it's kind of hollow for a lot of us. It's, it's by and large kind of superficial. But he said something very interesting and he said, you know, at a time like this, I, I just don't feel like it's enough. And, and he makes this radical decision. He takes a risk and he prays live on air for millions of people. And it wasn't so much the prayer specifically, it wasn't so much the words he used. To me, it's what it said about the situation. You see, for Dan, he thought at that moment, the cliches weren't enough. The situation was too dire. 
The human response too inept. Something had to be done. It's not enough to just say I'm going to pray for this guy. At that moment, he said, we need God to intervene now. And so he took a risk and he said, forget the protocol. Forget my reputation. I'm going to pray right now. And as I was watching that, I thought to myself, things are always that urgent. Things are always that urgent. Guys, it's not that temporarily things were that urgent. The only thing that was temporary was our awareness of what was true. And soon enough, myself included, we slip back into this idea that we are unbreakable. That we and the people around us will go on forever. When the reality is every person you meet, every person in your life, everyone you care about is in a DeMar Hamlin situation. Maybe not today or next week, but soon enough. And my thought as I watched this was, why would we not live with that kind of urgency always? We live in a world where the cliche thoughts and prayers are not enough. We live in a world where we need to be a little more risky, care a little bit, of less, little bit less about convention or what's normal or what's okay. We need to get a little bit risky. What we're talking about today, these are not just nice human principles. This is not just a five step to improve whatever. These are issues of life or death, whether we want to accept that or not. Remember, Paul is writing this while in prison. This is life or death. This is urgent. He was willing to give everything for it as he eventually did. And so with Christ as our center, we need to turn our attention to the mission of reaching those around us. We need to do so while being desperately dependent on God and his power. By loving the people around us enough to present things clearly and attractively, by living authentic lives through the help of the Holy Spirit and by being urgent, taking some risks, not worrying about having it all figured out, recognizing that the people in your life may not be there tomorrow, and that's not just being dramatic, that is the truth. And guys, when we get to see God operate in this way, there's no greater privilege. There's no greater privilege. And with that in mind, I'm going to invite the baptism team to come up and we're going to celebrate that exact thing, life transformation. I think it's one of the greatest things we get to celebrate is that Jesus changes lives. Baptisms, they're a reminder that, that Jesus Christ died for us and paid for our sins. And that by our faith in him, we are forgiven and washed clean. It's a symbol. It doesn't save you, but it's a symbol of what happens when a person believes in Jesus. Every person at this church, they're baptized by, some, by two mentors who've had a, a, a crucial impact, a spiritual impact on this particular person. And so that's what we're going to do this morning, is we're going to celebrate that God does move in people's lives in extraordinary ways. And so with that, we're going we're gonna to have a testimony, uh, and then we're going to think they're ready. We're going to have a baptism. Good morning. It's on. <laughs> 
Uh, my name is Eric, and I was raised in a Lutheran church where I attended Sunday school, summer Bible school, and was confirmed. All the things you do growing up, not really know who God is, but there's someone named God. We would attend church on occasion, but would never, but never really made it a weekly commitment. I would attend youth group, had fun meeting new friends in the process. After high school, I entered the army where my attendance at church became non-existent. During my time in the service, there was instances where I would do things I could not explain. Like one time, after maxing out my ration card for liquor and tobacco, I woke up the next day saying, it's not worth it, and I threw it all away. After I transitioned out of the service, I would attend church on special occasions like Christmas and Easter, eventually only really attending at Christmas. Before I knew it, I stopped attending at all, looking at Sunday to the time where Vikings are on. As time and life went on, I married my lovely wife, had a daughter, and had her baptized because I thought that's what you did as a parent. Never really given much thought to attending church anymore until last year when my daughter saw signs around town for a large Easter egg hunt, and she told me she wanted to go. I looked into it and discovered that we needed to attend a service at renovation. I wasn't sure what to expect with a new church. So before, the, before that, I went to the website and watched a couple messages that Pastor David had given and liked the way they were delivered. It didn't feel like I was being preached at. We attended a service and she was able to hunt and she really enjoyed it. The decision was made to start attending weekly. It took me about four weeks to get used to the services here not knowing what to expect. And I started to feel drawn back into something I used to feel and know and I know that was missing. During songs and messages, I could feel my heart being pulled in a direction I haven't felt in years. I knew this is something that I wanted and I needed. When summer rolled around and Renovation U was coming around, I signed up for First Steps. This class opened my eyes and created a ton of questions I wanted answers to. I now know that there was something, or someone guiding me in my decisions that I couldn't explain. When Renovation announced that they were in need of volunteers, I knew this is something I needed to do, so I signed up for the AV team, and it's been a blast. This fall, I joined a house group and could have made a better decision. I continue to feel this draw to something greater. I know that I am not perfect, and I have sinned and will sin. I've accepted Jesus into my life and believe that he paid the ultimate price for my sins, and he is there for me and wants to have a relationship with me. I know that this is a journey, and I'm looking forward to every part of it. For the first time in my life, I've now started to enjoy reading the Bible. I've now transitioned into a study Bible to get a better understanding of my Savior and what he's done for me. With me today, I have my sponsors. I have John there on their left. You're right there. He's just my <laughs> Renovation U instructor, and I have Josh as well. I'm sorry, Jake. I'm a little nervous up here. He's my house leader and small group leader. He's continuing on with my journey with me at this time. That we have really been a part of the, the mechanics of this, but it's just so, yeah, I feel, feel very grateful to be here and to be part of this. And it, it perfectly ties into what I'm saying, but it also ties into something that's on my heart. And that is that in a room like this, there's a lot of kinds of people, right? People that have been coming for, to church their whole lives, people that um, maybe you don't know why you're here. Honestly, maybe you keep coming and you're drawn to something you can't put your finger on, but in either or all cases, I, I don't think it's an accident. And just like when I'm at one of our concerts or on the streets interviewing someone or one of my ministry events, the same thing I say is that it's not an accident you're here. That God has a plan and purpose for you that 
He wants to know you. And I'd be remiss to not provide you with that opportunity. You know, I think some of you maybe that's, like was even said in that testimony, you know about it. You've, you've known of God like a subject or a tradition or a routine, but you don't know him in this personal way that I'm talking about. Well, here's the good news. You can know him today. You can have that opportunity. You can take that risk and you can meet him. And, and I want to give you that opportunity. So if there are people here and you don't feel like you've ever really made that commitment or you've been wanting to make that commitment and haven't yet, this is your opportunity. This is your chance. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, if that's you, is just to stand up. And it's a scary thing to do, but I think it's important. I think that when we feel God moving in our lives, we need to represent it physically. In the same way that baptism physically represents a spiritual renewal, I think standing up can be something that represents that decision to say, I'm in. I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about. And so no pressure, but if that's you, if there are anyone in this room that 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 applies for or applies to, I just ask that you stand up. Is there anyone in this room that says, yeah, I want to make that decision. I haven't yet made that decision. I want to make that this morning. You know, I think sometimes we can feel like well, I, I can just make that decision sitting here. And I think you're right. God will hear you. But I think there's something powerful in that moment of saying, no, I, I want to I do this, even if it costs me something, even if it's a little uncomfortable. And so again, maybe there isn't, and that's fine. But if there is, I don't want to leave before giving you that opportunity. Is there anyone here that needs to make that decision? Well, in either case, I know there's going to be a prayer team. I don't know exactly where to point. Somewhere along this semicircle. Um, so please come and talk to us. Come and pray with us. But let's get busy. Right? Because what I do know, what I don't have to wonder, is whether there are people in your lives who need to know this message. Right? And that's it's not a burden. I think that's exciting. I think that's an opportunity. And so let's pray that God would use us to reach someone that is far from him. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this church and their willingness to let me participate participate in it in a small way. I pray that you would bless it. And as it continues to grow, Lord, um, may you provide for their needs to, to facilitate that growth. And I pray that you would just do extraordinary things. Let them not limit themselves because you have no limits. And uh, let this church be a church that is bold as it is, but let it continue to be and even more so bold as it shares the only hope that this world so desperately needs. We love you. Amen.